0: Karen and I listened to the song of Bachman's Sparrow all the way to Longleaf Flatwoods Reserve. We got there shortly after sunrise and we were the only car in the grass lot. We'd probably be the only ones at that park all day. There were more productive places to go birding closer to town and prettier places to walk. But we were after my first Bachman's, a life bird. So we headed for Longleaf and we kept listening to that song. We walked out the dewy trail, the air already thick with North Florida humidity. The plan was just to follow the path until we heard it. We were in the middle of a field of Florida scrub, all saw palmetto and longleaf pine when it sang, or they sang, first one, then another, then one further off. But we couldn't get our binoculars on them. Bachman's is notoriously secretive, or as the Audubon God says, easily overlooked. We kept overlooking them, hearing them sing right in front of us, but not being able to find them. Then I happened to be looking in the right direction at the right time when something flitted to the top of a sapling at eye level. Its buff breast and clear white belly caught the sun perfectly. I made sure to check for its pink legs and watched as it opened its mouth and gave that now familiar song, My First Bachman Sparrow. And, as it usually works, having trained our eyes to find one, we then found half a dozen, watching them pop up and down through the scrub, just long enough to give that call. And we trudged back through the sand to the car, our hearts full of that beauty. And I say beauty, but the truth is, Bachman's isn't much to look at. The descriptions read totally generic, a small sparrow with a brown and grey streaked back. Oh, so like, every sparrow. That reddish chest is one of the only standout features, but when birders say reddish, the emphasis is definitely on the ish, like basically brown. Maybe you'd notice the pink legs, but even then, you'd have to look close. You see, sparrowing is its own separate subcategory of birding reserved for the most hardcore folks, if you are silently making fun of me in your mind for talking about birds again, that's how I feel about people who like to go sparrowing. It's for the kind of people who want to spend half an hour puzzling over whether a bird's lores have a slightly yellowish tint. The lore that's the spot between the eye and the bill. So imagine a sparrow and then imagine the amount of space between its eye and its beak, and then imagine standing 30 feet away from it and looking through binoculars while it jumps in and out of shrubs. That's sparrowing. For lazier birders like me, there's a term for unidentified sparrows that aren't worth the time and effort to figure out. LBJs. Little brown jobs. It's a way of getting credit for seeing the thing without driving yourself crazy about what it is. A way to check it off and move on. And I'm not alone in not caring about sparrows. As you heard a minute ago, even Jesus throws shade at sparrows. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? You are of more value than many sparrows. Matthew's version says two for one penny, but Luke wisely knew you're supposed to buy your sparrows in bulk. By any objective standard, sparrows are nothing to get excited about, not up against a snowy owl or a great blue heron or a violet-crowned hummingbird. And Bachman's sparrow isn't even the most beautiful sparrow, not up against a grasshopper or a five-stripe or a Lacanse. It's drab, plain, easily overlooked. And the same could be said for the park where we found them. Seen objectively, it's not much to look at. My friend Mark surprised me with his readiness to move away from Gainesville. When I asked him why he hadn't fallen in love with North Florida the way I had, he was blunt. It's just not pretty. And I guess that's true, objectively. An ecosystem called Florida scrub probably isn't known for its beauty. The truth is, it's about 70% sand and 30% sharp-looking things. Florida scrub is not the Rockies or the coast of Maine, it's not even the Saguaro Desert. It's not verdant enough to be lush or deserted enough to be spare, and in a state called Land of Flowers, it is notably lacking in color. But here's the thing about Florida scrub. If you get up early enough to see the sunrise over a field of green saw palmetto or golden wire grass if you stay long enough to scare up a few deer or hear the whistle of a bobwhite quail or catch a gopher tortoise cleaning out its burrow, if you go often enough to see it change with the season or watch it renewed by fire, if you're curious enough or stupid enough to burn your hand on a still smoldering log from that fire like someone I know, if you get to know it and love it, if you are no longer able to be objective about it. It's kind of beautiful. And here's the thing about Bachman's Sparrow. It's not an owl or a hummingbird. But if you're out on a hot morning without another bird to distract you, if you're there when the sun is just right and that reddish breast lights up like a flame... If you're patient enough and quiet enough that this secretive bird becomes content to be seen. To be looked at so closely you can see the color of its lores. If you listen long enough to its song in the car that when it comes to life in the wild it feels like the voice of a familiar friend. It is really beautiful. When you see the thing for what it is and not what it isn't. When you stop comparing it to other things or to some impersonal standard and you learn it and know it for itself, you can come to love it. It's knowing something that really makes it beautiful. That's actually what Jesus was saying about sparrows and about us. The full quote is, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. But even the hairs of your head are all counted. Do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. The sparrows that are easily overlooked The sparrows that are sold in bulk, those drab plain birds, not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. Not the one hopping through the Florida scrub, not the one singing most mornings from our portico, not the one picking through the trash in every strip mall parking lot in America. Not one is forgotten. They are known and loved by the creator of the universe. And then there's you. You're worth like hundreds or or thousands or tens of thousands of sparrows. I don't want to put an exact number on it. You're known down to the last hair on your head and loved for each of them. You are beautiful. We've chosen this worship theme, everything is music. And we've asked people from our congregation to offer their musical gifts all month to sing or play a solo in a way we don't always get to hear from each other. And yes, it's because we have so many talented musicians in our midst and we wanted to show them off to enjoy the beauty of the music that they make. But really, it's about something else. That kind of objective beauty is not, not really what we're after here in this theme or in this place. We're after subjective beauty. The kind that comes from knowing one another and being known by one another. Learning each other's faces and voices so well that they become dear. Getting to know each other, maybe not down to the last hair on your head, but at least well enough to notice if you get a haircut. This theme is really not about the musicians at all, sorry, musicians. It's about us as an audience, as a congregation, as a community. We are trying to be the kind of community where we fall in love with one another as God has fallen in love with us, not objectively because we're so impressive? That kind of love can go away when we do something less impressive, when we show the less impressive parts of ourselves. We want to fall in love with each other subjectively. Or at least I think God wants us to fall in love with each other subjectively. To get to know each other well enough to no longer be able to be impersonal There's this line I love in a magnetic field song. It says, you may not be beautiful, but it's not for me to judge. I don't know if you're beautiful, because I love you too much. If I could have my way, we'd each go around and sing or play a solo, whatever we wanted. And before your palms start sweating, I promise we're not going to do that, but we could. And it would be incredible to hear each person's voice on its own, singing whatever it wanted to sing. It would be beautiful. Maybe not objectively. Maybe not to the people just walking by on the street. To them, we might sound like nothing special, but we would know better we would know how special it was to hear each other's voices, to hold them and care for them, and to have our voices heard and held and cared for. That's what church is about, I think, one thing that church is about. I've heard a lot of amazing music, but when I think of beautiful singing, I think of carol a woman from the small country church I grew up in. She was middle-aged, or at least it seemed that way to me at age 10. She was probably younger than I am now. But her hair was eternally on the verge of going gray. She sang in the choir and she had this big, deep alto voice with the classic church choir wobble. And every Good Friday, Carol would sing a solo, always the same song at the most dramatic moment of the service, just before the reading of Jesus' death and the tolling of the church bell once for each of his 33 years. Carol would come out of the choir loft and she would sing the Via Dolorosa. It's a Sandy Patty song. It pairs a deeply problematic theology with a deeply cheesy melody, and it has a special place in my heart. Even back then, I remember thinking it was a bit much, but Carol seemed to think it wasn't quite enough. She doubled down on the drama of the piece. I can still see her eyebrows contorting with emotion and hear the big alto voice scooping up and down from the high notes, that slow wobble picking up speed on the long ones. Compared to Leontine Price or Beyonce or even Sandy Patty herself, it might have seemed like nothing special. But knowing Carol, being church with her, loving her, it gave me chills every time and brought me to tears more than once. I still think about it every Good Friday, almost 30 years later. When I asked my sisters, they both remembered too. One said it was the most heartfelt version of that song ever sung. For me, it was one of the most heartfelt versions of any song I've heard. But I'm not really a reliable source. It was Carol's song, and I love her.